1: This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started to grab a shot on the I'd be totally cool with it. Because if that doesn't give Sam's motivation to play better defense and play better, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter the first unanimous vote. And I hate that about baseball writers. You belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
0: A team in our new master, they don't just be like, Hey, we signed this play like we're No, a No.
1: Now... To your host. And welcome on into the show, everyone. CLNS Media here, this is Red Sox Beat. If you are noticing a uh, face that's not here, then you're probably right. Uh, we're not we're without Jarrett's galley tonight. We got Jess Thomas here alongside Lauren Campbell, per usual. Lauren, we'll get to you in a minute. But first, I want to let you know that this uh, station here, CLNS Media, is the leading online provider for audio visual coverage for New England professional sports. You can follow CLNS at CLNS Media now. Don't get confused with the old one. No more radio here. So, CLNS Media, uh, you can go on Facebook, CLNS Fans, same as before. And make sure you get the mobile app, the mobile podcast app for iOS and Android. Just go to CLNS on your app store and it'll pop up. And that's how I listen to all my stuff. So make sure that you do as well Uh, for our show here, Red Sox Beat. You can follow on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Red Sox Beat Podcast on Facebook. We'd love for you to go on iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe our show. That would be wonderful as well. So, here we are, another week, August 21st edition. Lauren, what's up?
0: can't believe it's almost the end of August, we're heading into September. Can't believe I got another week right of predictions. Overall, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for this week ahead, excited for what we're about to talk about. I'm excited.
1: You should be excited. I can't believe you've gotten two weeks in a row. I've done terrible this year. I really am not holding out my end of the bargain like I did last year. It's, you know. <laughs> nope, not at all. But now
0: I've, I've taken over. I'm I'm gladly that, that rain from you and help you out here in
1: the season, so you're welcome. Well, as long as somebody gets it right, right? As long as one of us does. As long as it's not Jared, <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> oh,
1: I mean, Jared. we want Jared to do it right, obviously. <laughs> well, we're glad you're joining us here. Uh, we had a great show last last week with Trenny Kuznarek of CSN on there. If you haven't checked that out, even though it's a week old, please make sure to still do that. Hopefully we can keep you entertained here for, uh, for this week as we've Get to the end of August. Next week will be the last August show, and we'll be into September, and uh, getting closer to the end of the season here. Um, wow. So let's just jump in with the recap. Um, we briefly mentioned Monday last week because the show was after that. Uh, it was the makeup game against the Indians. Uh, the Sox lost seven to three. We pretty much went over it. Doug Fister was not good, and uh, Edwin Encarnacion hit two home runs. So that was pretty much what happened there. Uh, so let's move on to the good stuff, starting with Tuesday. Uh, that was against the St. Louis Cardinals. The first time the Cardinals played in Boston since 2008 in the regular season, and the first time since 2013. Of course, the Red Sox won the World Series against the Cardinals that year. I can talk about that all, uh, all I want. So that was a great series. Um, this is a regular season series, a little bit different. Uh, but nonetheless, exciting. This matchup, uh, this, uh, this night, was Rick Porcello against Mike Leak. And, spoiler alert, one of them was really good, and one of them was really bad. Fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, the really bad one was the Cardinals. Um, so, in this one, Rafael Devers got an RBI single in the first inning to continue his torrid pace. That made it one nothing. But, the big inning in this one was the fifth inning. Uh, nobody scored until the fifth inning. It was still one nothing. Leak was rolling along. And then the Sox decided to put an 8-spot up on the Cardinals with a lot of hits. I'll just quickly detail the uh, 8 runs here because, boy, it was it was insane. It was uh, fast and a lot of hits. Not even any home runs was the funny part about it. Um, and there was one out before anyone got on base. Uh, with one out, Eduardo Nunez hit a single. Mookie Betts hit a single. Andrew Benintendi had hit by a pitch. So bases loaded, one out. And then Hanley Ramirez had a two RBI double to make it three to nothing. Then they intentionally walked Raphael Devers because he's that good, even though he's only been here for a month, not even a month. Uh, and then it brought up Xander Bogarts, who had been struggling, but he said, who cares? He hit an RBI single to make it four to nothing. And then Mitch Moreland hit an RBI single to make it five to nothing. Then Mike Leake came out. And then the reliever Bowman came in, gave up a two RBI double to Sandy Leone to make it seven to nothing. Then Brad- Jackie Bradley Jr. batting for the second time. Got an RBI single to make it 8 to nothing, And then Eduardo Nunez got an RBI single to make it 9 nothing. So it was 9 nothing after 5. So if you're counting at home, 8 runs on 8 hits in that inning. And almost every single one of them was a single. It was 6 singles and 2 doubles. Um, you don't see a lot of 8-run innings without a home run.
0: No, you don't. And it's funny because... I know I was getting alert after alert on my phone. You know, Red Sox up by one more. This person on a singles. Benatany was hit by a pitch, and I was like, that thought crossed my mind. I'm like, there's been no home runs in this inning. It's all, it's all singles. It's all RBI, extra base hits. It was just, it was that inning had everything to score except home runs. It was wild.
1: Yeah, it was fun. As a result, Mike Leake's final line was four and a third, nine hits, eight runs. Pretty. <laughs> pretty bad. As a result, Rick Porcello got a little uh, complacent, I'm sure, because now he had a 9 nothing lead. So he gave up three runs in the uh, top of the sixth inning to make it 9-3, to but then the Sox got another one back in that same inning to make it 10-3. Final was 10-4. Uh, Porcello pitched seven innings, gave up eight hits, three runs, two walks, six Ks. Another good outing for him. It was his third straight win at that point. Um, and really, I mean, the offense was great in this game, and for me, it was like... Finally, another more run support for Rick Porcello. It's finally happening. It only took till August, but it's it's happening now.
0: It's, it's amazing that he can win when
1: he gets run support. Right, he gets when he gets run support and he wins every game. It's like wow, uh, almost like last year all over again. Weird. So that was good. Multi-hit games in this game for Bogarts, Moreland, Devers, Ramirez, and Nunez. So a lot of a lot of hits. Uh, almost everybody scored a run. The only. Guy in the starting nine who didn't score a run was Bradley. Everybody else did. So this game was wild. It was it was awesome. So ten to four win, courtesy of an eight run fifth inning, uh, to take the first game against the Cardinals, which brought us into Wednesday's game, which was the second game of the series, and that was it because it was only two game series, which we talked about before. We don't like because it's not enough time to really get to know your opponent or anything, or for that matter, predict because it's two games and it's over. Uh, but regardless. Uh, This game was really interesting, I guess, was the best way to describe it. It was Eduardo Rodriguez against Lance Lynn. Um, Lynn pitched a lot better than Rodriguez. But really, for Erod, it was just one bad inning, which was the second inning. He gave up four runs in the second. Uh, Colton Wong, RBI single. uh, Luke Voigt, RBI double. Colton Wong scored in a pass ball. And Matt Carpenter, an RBI single. So that was it, four runs. And Erod didn't give up another one after that. He went five and a third innings. Six strikeouts, eight hits, four runs. Uh, Lynn went six innings and only gave up one earned run, two runs overall. Those two runs for the Sox were in the bottom of the third on an uh, infield single for Eduardo Nunez and a sack five for Betts. That was it, 4-2. Nobody else scored in this game after the third until the ninth, which is pretty wild. Um, the Cardinals brought in Trevor Rosenthal, who used to be really good, and he's really not anymore. Um and he started off the inning giving up a solo home run to Xander Bogarts, and that made it 4-3, to and I was like, well, maybe there's a little bit of hope in this game to try to get the sweep. And then Rosenthal just fell apart. He walked Moreland, and then uh, Chris Young ran for Moreland. And then Mike Matheny had seen enough. He brought in Zach Duke, who struck out Holt, who pinched hit. But then Jackie Bradley Jr. walked, and... Mike Matheny was tired of him too, so he brought in John Brebia, who got Nunez to foul out. Um, but then Mookie Betts got a two RBI double with the base with the uh, runners going on a three two pitch. They both scored. Sox won five to four. But before that even happened, Mike Matheny got thrown out of the game for arguing. So really, I mean, what what didn't this ninth inning have? I know you recap the game, so I'd like you to talk about how insane this inning was
0: it was just it was funny because i'm sitting there i'm like they have something going in the night they need to get going and it's obviously it started off like you said with the xander bogart home runs like that's a good sign because this guy so desperately needed a a big hit in a big way obviously this is what it was and then you know we talked a little little bit about it in our chat like mithini takes forever to walk out to the mound kind of has that like pompous attitude walking out there and you know, finally it was just he was mad that the umpire called time because you're it, it, it just taking too long in between pitches. And I totally understand, like, getting set up or whatever, but you don't need to take as long as this person was taking. It was a long, long, long wait. So the umpire called time, Mike baby comes out. So first, Molina was losing his mind. His hands were up, you know, he was in the face. I was surprised Molina didn't get ejected
1: that's the and reason guys, Matheny yeah. got thrown out. Was because Molina was so in his face, and he didn't want him to get thrown out.
0: And then, so yeah, Matheny came, I mean, came to the aid of his players, which is what a good manager does. And he just, I mean, you could kind of, I don't know if you watched the game, but you, can, you could kind of hear just, like, the, the yelling going back and forth. And I'm like, wow, he is, he's bad. He's really pissed off right now. And all of a sudden, he was ejected, and I'm like, I don't, I, I mean, I completely understand, like, Getting mad about the up calling a late time. I, I get you're going out there to protect your players. You don't do that with the game on the line. You're in the ninth inning, and you know you're up, you're winning, and you know like runners in scoring position. You have the chance to, to leave with a win. But you know you need to. You need to just like, keep it cool. But it was a it was a wild ninth inning. It was so much fun, and it was it was crazy because my grandmother had. Gone to bed. She never goes to bed during Red Sox games. And it was, she picked the wrong game to go to bed because, I mean, I didn't think, as soon as Mookie hit the ball, I was like, all right, that's at least a tie game right there. And I really did not think, I thought, uh, David was going to be tied together at home just because it, it looked that close. He should have been. And I think if Molina handled that, that ball, it would have been because, because, you know, he completely missed the home plate at first he just kind of went over it i was just like no oh my god because i couldn't see the ball so i'm kind of like freaking out in this whole like it happened in one second but i felt like so many emotions run through me because so i was like where's the ball where's jackie riley jr oh my god why is everyone running and it was just it was such a fun wild night thing and it had everything It like it had i think i said in my recap had the ejection had a lead off home run had some drama it was it was everything you wanted in a ninth inning so it
1: was, it was perfect, and it's funny too with the ejection because it's like, it, of course the guy would call time. I think Brebby was standing there for like twenty seconds just holding on the ball. Like it was he was terrible. Wasn't, he wasn't throwing it, and the inning took nope. forever. I mean, it, the whole thing was just like so painfully long. It, it was, was. I was.
0: I was tired going into that ninth inning. I was like, oh, I don't really don't want to recap a loss. I I had so much energy probably up until like two a.m. I was just. <laughs> through the roof about this, because I'm like, that's how you win a baseball game. This is why I love sports so much, It's for games like this, so it was just so good.
1: And I'll give you a lot of credit, too, because I was camping during this, so I missed it. Don't worry, I watched the full ninth inning, uh, pitch, every pitch I worked <laughs> later on, but um, I want to give you credit on a good recap, because I mean that's what recaps are for when you miss the game, so I didn't know what happened, besides everyone freaking out about it in our chat, <laughs> so I got to hear you. Fill me in on all the details, so I know what happened because of Lawrence, So, if that's a little plug for your Red Sox newsfeed, then good because we we do every uh, every notes and every recap um, led by the two of us. So I I hope people out there are who listen to this show are also listening to our newsfeed because that's where we really keep up with all the uh, the day to day info. And we got a lot of good people on it, so not to plug that, but that was a good that was a good segue because because I listen to your recap without seeing the game. So, pretty cool. So, it was a 5-4 to four win. Uh, the bullpen pitched well. Barnes, Reed, and Kimbrell all pitched, and none of them gave up runs. And uh, a 5-4 to four win to sweep the Cardinals, which was great, because as we talked about on the last show, they were coming in hot. They would won seven games in a row just before that. Uh, and the Sox just decided to dispatch them away and, and take the sweep in spectacular fashion. So, that was pretty cool. Uh, you and Jerry both got that right. I said one in one week. Which Jesus, that could have been really easily right because just yep. a, they just had to get a couple outs, and uh, I would have been right. But you know, can't win them all. So, and I'm glad I didn't win it because that's <laughs> I don't want one in one series. I want two in a series if they're going to be these dumb two nothing uh, two two game ones. So,
0: absolutely.
1: So after that, so I got a little uh, nice little break, and um, they didn't play on Thursday. And then that brought us into Friday with the Yankees. Another Yankee series, another weekend Yankee series. This time, at Fenway as opposed to at New York, which the last weekend series was. Series was. So uh, on Friday we got a nine to six win. This game was very wild. I'll take you through it here. Uh, it was Drew Pomeranz against Jordan Montgomery. Uh, neither one lasted too long for different reasons. Um, in the second inning, Rafael Devers hit another home run. Uh, two two run homer to make it two to nothing. Um, at that point, that was his seventh home run of the year. Cranking up those home runs quick. He was already already had as many as Bogarts in the season, and he only played for three weeks. So, (laughs) pretty wild comparison there. Um, and then in the third, in the fourth inning, Drew Pomeranz came out of the game. Due to back spasms, he went three and a third innings, four hits, no runs. He was pitching well, but he just couldn't seem to get any momentum going, and he couldn't really you know, follow through on his pitches very well. So he ended up coming out with back spasms. Uh, we'll get a little more of that later of what happened afterwards. But he came out, uh, and then Jordan Montgomery came out after five innings after he gave up a home run to Christian Vazquez. Solo home run, absolutely destroyed. He absolutely killed it. Way over the monster to make it three to nothing, um, and then off the bullpen, the Yankees started coming back. Todd Frazier hit a two-run homer in the sixth to make it three to two. Gary Sanchez tied it in seventh with a home run to make it three to three. Ronald Torres made a five-three of the two RBI hit, and then Aaron Hicks got hit by a pitch to bring in the sixth run. So it was six to three at that point. Uh, before we go further into the game, I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard for me because like obviously the bullpen has to do a lot when the starter only goes three and a third innings. Uh, Workman came in and pitched great in an inning and two-thirds. Then Barnes and Kelly came up and combined for an inning, giving up five runs, all those runs I just talked about. So, I mean, I want to blame it on them. It's harder to because of the situation, but at the same time, like, you know, you're brought in to hold the lead. It was a three-to-nothing lead, and all of a sudden it's six-to-three just like that, so pretty poor outing for both of them.
0: And especially somebody like Joe Kelly, who we know can go longer stretches of innings, whether it's three, four, or five innings. We've seen him here as a starter, even though he didn't do too well as a starter, but we know he's capable of going those longer those stretches of innings. And that's where we rely on him because if we get into situations such as Friday night when Pomerantz had to come out with an injury, that's when John Farrell has to turn to his bullpen and be like, okay. I need somebody who can get us into the sixth or seventh inning. And Kelly's their guy. I know he can be seventh, seventh-inning guy, eighth-inning guy, but Joe Kelly is the guy you need to be able to turn to and be like, get us into the sixth. And he can't be giving up combined runs with somebody else. And I understand you're going to have bad outings, no matter who you are, no matter what pitcher you are. Even Chris Sale has bad outings. But when you're not used often in a situation like this, and you're only used, you to know, an inning or two, that's when you really need to try. So to see Kelly struggle this way, I was just like, oh, no, like, this this is our guy to get us out of jams like this, and he's putting us deeper into a hole.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it was him pitching earlier in the game or what the problem was, but terrible. Six hits, five runs, and a combined inning for the two of them. Fortunately, the Sox decided to make a comeback in the same exact seventh inning, um, four runs of their own, Bet, sack, fly, Benintendi, RBI single. Moreland, two RBI single to give the 7-6 to six lead. And then in the eighth inning, Bradley Jr. got two more runs on two RBI single. Nine to make making a 9-6. I guess the funny thing about this game is that the seventh inning itself took an hour and five minutes to, for both teams to score eight runs, and then the Sox obviously got two more insurance runs in the eighth of our favorite pitcher in the world, Aroldis Chapman. Um I guess, man, I mean, Red Sox-Yankees, right? The game was flying along, like, there wasn't, it was taking a pretty short amount of time, and then all of a sudden, one inning later, an hour later, now all of a sudden it's, like, (laughs) already, like, in the deep tens, already, like, looking on four-hour games, so I guess that's Yankees, Red Sox-Yankees for you, right?
0: It absolutely and it's funny, I had a friend in that game that night, and I was thinking the same thing, I'm like, wow, this game's cruising, and then... You know deep in that seventh inning, I got a text from him and it was like, This game's taking forever. <laughs> and I was like, Well, that's that's Yankees Red Sox for you right there. I mean, that's absolutely the epitome of a Yankees Red Sox game is how long it takes. And Paul Chapman thinking, No, we're gonna get into it, but I'm just so excited about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was funny with this game. I mean, the Yankees bullpen was bad. Each, all three guys who pitched Chad Green, Tommy Canley, and Earl Chapman all gave up two runs, uh, and then the Sox had. Uh, Too many pitchers to even count. Uh, I'm going to do it anyway. Workman, Barnes, Kelly, Hembry, Scott, Reed, Kimbrell. Seven relievers. Eight? Seven? Yeah, seven. Seven. Seven relievers plus Pomerantz. Uh, And after Hembry came in and gave up the last of the runs in that horrible inning, uh, Addison Reed and Craig Kimbrell both shut it down. They combined for six strikeouts. So really good to see. They're good to see see Reed pitch well, and then obviously did his thing, 1-2-3, K-K-K. Uh, not Ku Klux clean. Strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess we shouldn't say K- the, the K's in that way, but that's what it was. It was three K's. It was, so. it, was. it was. So, uh, <laughs> 9-6 win in this game. Uh, put that one in the blue reel. Um, <laughs> So three straight wins for the Red Sox, uh, and we'll head into uh, Saturday's game. The one game you expect to win of this series because, you know, the savior himself, Chris Sale, was pitching, uh, and oh. he actually didn't win, which is very weird and surprising for, uh, for this season because usually he's the guy you can rely on along with Pomerantz, and uh, with a not, not in this one. Um, it was Sabathia against Sale. Sabathia came into the game shutting out the Red Sox in 14 innings, and he did it a little longer in this game. He held them scoreless uh, until the fifth inning. Sale gave up his run early uh, in the second inning, a three-run homer to Tyler Austin, a guy who's barely even played, and it was 3-0 nothing Yankees. And then the Sox got two back against Sabathia, highlighted by a Jackie Bradley Jr. single. That made it 3-2. The Sox got back within one. But then Sale, uncharacteristically in the next inning, gave up a home run to Todd Frazier to make it 4-2, to two, and that would be the only runs he gave up. Unfortunately for him, the Sox couldn't get any more after Rafael Devers hit his eighth home run of the season to make it 4-3. Now uh, he has more
0: than Xander Bogarts.
1: More than Xander Bogarts at this point. Um, and the Sox bullpen pitched well, but unfortunately he couldn't get that last run tied tie it up against David Robertson and Dylan Batanzas. If you notice, I didn't say roll to Chapman because at this point he's no longer the closer, which we'll talk about later. He got pulled um, and Batanzas got the save. So Chris Sale finally lost. He's 14 and 5. Uh, he pitched seven innings, seven hits, four runs, nine strikeouts, 117 pitches. Not terrible, but for him it's terrible and it ended up being a loss, unfortunately. Uh, a couple notes in this game, as I said in my recap. One, Chris Sale reached 250 strikeouts on the season. Uh, With 9, he struck out the side in the 7th inning to get those 250, and that um, made him the third pitcher of all time to get 250 strikeouts in 25 starts or fewer, joining Pedro Martinez and Randy Johnson. Johnson did it four times, which is absolutely insane. Shows you how good he is. Uh, And then the other stat was Rafael Devers' 8th home run was the most home runs in the first 20 games of a career of a guy before he was 21 years old. And also, he joined Babe Ruth as the only hitter to hit three home runs in three consecutive games against the Yankees uh, before turning age 21. Babe Ruth did it in 1915. Rafael Devers did it in 2017. So, despite the loss in this game, there's plenty of history to be had.
0: Which is always good. I mean, it's always good to see a silver lining in a game like that, and especially a Chris Sale loss. So, you, get, you take those positive things, especially with somebody... Like Devers, he's only 20 years old. He's a, he's a baby. So and that that was good to see, absolutely. And of course, Chris Sale, even with a loss, you get something positive. I feel like every loss, he still reaches a milestone. And this is a huge milestone for him. I think he's easily going to get over 300 strikeouts. I mean, this guy is just, even when he loses, he's a machine.
1: Oh, there's no doubt he's going to get 300. I mean, he's only 50 away. It's not even September yet. I mean, Pedro expects Sale to beat Pedro's. Three thirteen that he had in 1999, so, I mean, if Pedro thinks he's going to break it, it's his own record, and then I'm sure, I'm sure Sale's going to do it, and he's given us no reason to believe that he won't at this point, so, that would be pretty exciting. So, unfortunately, a loss, so that ensured no sweep, which obviously, sweeps are what really dramatically changes the standings, unfortunately, but, Sunday's game, uh, another win, a 5-1 win over the Yankees. Rick Porcello versus Sonny Gray. Uh, they both pitched well, but Porcello pitched better. Six innings, three hits, one run, three walks, four strikeouts. For his fourth straight win, he's now 8-14 and 14, as opposed to the 4-14 four and 14 he was. Um, so it was exactly what we were looking for and expecting him to do because we both know he's good, even if nobody else can seem to jump on board uh, with that. So in this one, Jackie Bradley Jr. got a 2-RBI triple in the second to make it 2 to nothing. Uh, Brett Garner got a homer off Porcello, his only run in the 5th to make it 2-1. And then Bradley Jr. was back at it with an RBI single in the 6th. And Sandy Leone got a 2-RBI double for the 5-1 win in the 8th inning. Um, So this was all about Porcello. He uh, didn't get a ton of run support, but he got enough, and he only gave up one run. So that was huge. And the other thing from this game was Jerry Remy got uh, honored before the game for 30 years in the booth. Hold your thoughts on that for now, because we're going to talk about that after the recap here. Uh, Four wins in a row for Porcello. I mean, people were crapping on him for pitching poorly, and now you know he's gotten the run support and he's pitched pretty well still. Still getting deep into games, and you know he's he's climbing back. And a couple more wins, he'll be closer to five hundred. So it's really all you can ask for.
0: No, absolutely. If he can finish the season at five hundred, I'll consider it consider it a success. And you know, a lot of it it does come down to run support. You know, run support helps you win games. And he's pitching well. He's pitched well pretty much all season. And now he's pitching well and he's getting that run support. So it's coming, you know, he's pitching like he did last season when he was getting all that run support. And that's what people, they, they can't get on the Corsello training. Mean, they have to argue like, oh, he's an, only a mediocre pitcher. Like, oh, okay, that, that's fine. But still being 500 is mediocre. And but, and I know we've talked about it week after week. If he take his losses and take away 10 of those losses because they're ones who win a pick- run losses, something like that, you take those and you add those to the win column, it's drastically different, and you get a drastically different pitcher if we only score runs for those 10-12 games.
1: Well, Eck said there in a the week, uh, before, it was before he had either of these wins, it was during his first start this week, and Eck was like, yeah, if you got any run support, he's easily 11-11, and 11. and he was like 6-14 yep. and 14 at that point, or 7-14, and 14. so he's right, I mean, there's no doubt about <laughs> it. And I mean, yeah, maybe eleven eleven is an average season, but you know, he hasn't pitched as well as last year. But he's certainly been dependable and reliable, and getting deep into the games as he always has. So that's that's always something good too. Um, so that capped off the week. Uh, Lauren predicted a right two out of three against the Yankees to two out of two against the Cardinals. So do your little jig over there. Um, me and Jerry were a little bit off, one game off, but you got it. Congratulations. We'll give you credit for that. Uh, that made the Sox 71-52, and 52, gave a five-game lead again over the Yankees, so they gained one game in the series by taking two out of three. Two out of three in consecutive weekends against the Yankees, which is awesome. Um, and that brings us up to this point. Uh, I'm not going to go into tonight's game because we'll get to that on next week's show. Unfortunately, it was a walk-off loss, 5-4 against the Indians, but we'll get to that um, in our predictions. So... Um, MVP-wise this week, I don't know. It's it's hard. I feel like it's hard to go against Ben Intendi because he keeps he keeps just racking up hit after hit. I mean, the guy's hitting like 400-something in the last few weeks. Uh, it's, it's hard to go against him. You got anybody better than him? I mean.
0: Just give him rookie of the year. Just do it.
1: He's really getting up there. I mean, I know Judge still has like 36 homers or 38 homers or whatever he has. He's got a lot. But his average has plummeted from the 335 it was. And Benintendi's just on fire. He just hit seventy RBI. He's got eighteen homers. He's hitting two seventy nine. I mean, it's it's hard to go against that. He had two hits tonight. He had two hits yesterday. Um, he had several one hit games during the week, uh, and he just keeps he just he's just tearing up the game. Uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to argue with that. I think your other the other guy you could give it to is uh, would be Betts for this week with his walk off homer uh, his walk off double, excuse me. And he had a three-hit game on uh, Tuesday, that that one where he got the walk-off double. Um, so, maybe Beth, I mean, maybe maybe you give him the edge because of the walk-off. But, I mean, everyone's obviously producing to do another four in one week. You know, the starting pitching has been good, and, and the offense has been good, too. So, really hard to go wrong with anybody, really. Yeah,
0: I mean, it was a full-team effort this whole week, and... But, I mean, it's hard to go against Benintendi. Like you said, the kid is just absolutely on fire. He's just doing everything right. I know he's made a few base you know, running mistakes and maybe some, you know, working on his fielding. But, again, he's 23 years old. He's learning. He's going to learn and he's going to make mistakes. And it's, he's young. He's he's like Devers. He's a baby. He's going to you know, he, he skipped through AAA. He's got to really just learn by making mistakes. And that's what that did. So he's going to be fine. He's just going to to just absolutely go on these tears that makes him so much fun to watch. Like He's so good offensively. He's so good defensively. Like, this kid is just so much fun to watch. I, he's, I love it. every Every day, every week, he's just proving why he's the number one prospect in all of baseball.
1: Yeah, Endeavors also. Several two-hit games, a uh-huh. couple home runs. We'll get to him even more in a minute. So a lot of possibilities this week. Uh, Everyone just kind of spread around the wealth, uh, the good-playing the good wealth. And our least, our least valuable player goes to, uh, Chapman, and we'll get to that more too, cause he, he just blows, and it's great, so. So there's your recap, uh, that is uh, brought to you by SeatGeek, the SeatGeek ticketing app. It's the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. I uh, you can get a $20 rebate on your first purchase. All you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app on your phone, go to the setting tabs, and go to, uh, add a promo code, and enter garden report, all one word, G-A-R-D-E-N-R-E-P-O-R-T. If you didn't know how to spell Garden Report, that's how you spell it. Uh, just tell them who sent you. Obviously, here us here at Red Sox beat on CLNS Media. So make sure you go get your uh, your $20 off of Seeky. It's a great thing. Saves you a little, little cash on your wallet. So make sure you go do that for us. Um, so let's move on to some headlines. Um, obviously, one of the biggest headlines still because... You know, he's only been here for a month. He had called up on July 24th. That's obviously Rafael Devers. We're here on August 21st, and he's now up to eight home runs. He's getting that history like we talked about. And, I mean, it's – I guess the biggest thing with him to me, just like Andrew Benintendi, is that he doesn't seem to let the spotlight get to him ever. He just stays in – he stays in the zone, he stays ready, and he makes adjustments, and he doesn't seem to crack at all, which is wild because – he was just in Double A a couple of weeks ago, basically, and he's 20 years old, and he's playing well in the field, and he's he's hitting the crap out of the ball. It's incredible.
0: It is, and I know I I was very skeptical about the Red Sox bringing him up so soon, and you know mainly a lot of it was his age, and he had a lot of defensive errors. I knew he can hit the hell out of the ball, and he's proving that now. But I was very skeptical, and just every. Every day that passes, he proves me wrong, and it just makes me so happy because I'm. this is something I'm very happy to be wrong about because, you know, if he came up here and absolutely failed, or if he was like a Mankata kind of thing, it, it would have crushed his confidence completely, and you don't want to do that when he's like 20 years old, and he has so much potential, and he's just proving now that, just like Ben Attendee, he's got the poise, and he's got late patience, he gets the crap out of the ball, and he's doing really really good things at third base. Um, and so I'm, I I love watching him, and I love watching him in the field. I love watching him at the plate. And it just, it just makes me, again, I'll repeat myself a 100 times over, I'm happy I was wrong about this kid. And I think he's going to do great things. I think he's, this is just like the tip of the iceberg with him. I think he's going to have fantastic numbers next season, and he's already crushing the ball. He has more homers than Xander Bogart. He hasn't been here for a month.
1: Insane. I mean, he hasn't gotten a hit in his last two games, and it's like, what's wrong with him?
0: Nobody's yep. worried
1: because he just bounces right back. But it's like you—you're shocked when he doesn't get a hit in the game because he's gotten so many hits. So it's pretty pretty cool stuff. So love to see what he's doing um, to help this team, and the team's playing well without uh, without Dustin Bidroy and David Price. Uh, and good timing for that because we got an update on both of them today. Uh, if you listen to my pregame notes today, you'll know that you'll know uh, what the deal is here. But if you missed that. Uh, David Price played lawn toss uh, after uh, not pitching, f- not not throwing for five days because they shut him down because of soreness. Uh, threw today, he threw up to 60 feet, um, which was more than he's done in a little while. Uh, and then Dustin Pedroia also ran and did some agility drills today. So certainly no timetable on either of them, but it seems like good news for both of them at this point.
0: Yeah, definitely good news. And I think at this point you can't risk either – no furthering either of their injuries or prolonging when they're gonna come back. I think at this point you just wait to the playoffs because that's when you're gonna really, really need them. And I know they the team's playing well without them. They're they're so in first place. They have that lead over the Yankees. But you just don't wanna rush people like especially for Joy, you know, he's the veteran of this team. He's really he's supposed to be that voice in the clubhouse. And I don't see them doing making a big run without especially without for Joy he's that part of the team especially in situations like a playoff game and you know it's a knee injury those things knee injuries are extremely tricky we go over this all the time on the show and especially with the price i don't think it's even worth risking him because if he, they're going to bring him back and he say he has a crap outing and still the regular season it's not going to be good for him mental wise. and you know he's going to go on twitter and he's going to freak out about it he's going to have meltdown over it so Put him in the playoffs where, as much as I hate saying this, like you almost expect him to lose just because of his record, it's going to be okay. But I don't think he's in the rest of that right now. Great news for the both of them, don't bring them back into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know, I think it was Lou on uh, CSN's early edition. He said that, he fully expects if price to come if price comes back that he'll pitch one game and then get hurt and then miss the rest of the season like he, he had no confidence that he would be able to stay here and it's i mean it's hard to have it and with price with this elbow since it's just lingering and then all of a sudden like oh he's going to come back soon i'm oh, just kidding. actually he's not going to throw anymore and he's going to shut him down for a couple days all right now he's throwing again like what's going to happen next 3 days from now are they going to shut him down again like how how do you have any confidence in this guy and it's hard to want him to not come back to the playoffs cuz like he said He's terrible in the playoffs, and it's like, here, you're coming back for the first time in two months. Here's a playoff start for you. Like, I feel like that's risky. I don't know. I almost don't want him to come back. I just feel like it's better without him. Mean, maybe maybe the rotation is too shaky without him, but I'm super hesitant about it.
0: I mean, I'm hesitant about it, too, but then I just think, like, who else is there? I mean, I know you can pitch Sale on three or four days rest, but you don't want to burn his arm out if they get past the first round. Doug Pfister, no. Like, don't even want to say his name. And then, you know, Brian Johnson, you know, he's really, like, the only person you can really depend on to call up. I'm not saying he's, like, super dependable, but you go through that rotation, and it's just like, who else is there? you got Fister to come in as, you know, a, not a permanent fix, but a, a quick rental, and he's not doing anything right. I don't want that guy in a playoff situation. I, I'd rather just I'd walk into the TV and be like, nope, just let me know when the game's over, let me know the score. I don't want to know Fister's title line. It's it scares me, like because this this rotation is shaky without Price, and it I mean it, I, it's kind of shaky with them too, especially in the playoffs. So. I,
1: don't, I don't think it's shaky without him. I just think it's more unpredictable, just because you don't know what's gonna, you know, like Trini said last week, you don't know if Pomerantz is gonna pitch well in the playoffs. You don't know if if uh, Erod is gonna pitch well in the playoffs. That's Sales never pitched in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think that means anything personally, but I, I yeah. think they all pitch well. It's just it's hard to know who you're going to rely upon because, like, Erod's so inconsistent. I, we, you know, we see that several times where he gets a five great innings in the sixth inning he gives up four runs, or he gives up four runs in the second inning and then pitches great the rest of the game. It's really hard to tell with him, so I think it's more unpredictable with these guys. But um, in terms of in terms of Price Ampadre, I mean, this may seem like a dumb question, but, like, do you think that the team has played so much better this month? You know, four losses in August, and it's August 21st. Uh, they played better because they're not playing because of that, or is it just coincidence?
0: I mean, I hate to say that they're playing better because is not in the lineup or because Price isn't pitching, but what I'm going to go back to is that whole debacle with uh, Price and uh Dennis Eckersley on the plane and Fedora was one of the people who supposedly applauded and you know, you take those two out of the lineup who were kinda like the, the dancers of the of the team for that week or two, that whole dramatic team. And you take those two out of the equation, all of them are playing really, really good baseball. And I don't know if it's just you know, the team's just meshing well, it's late in the season, they're really just getting their asses in gear I don't know if it's that I mean I, I said it, I don't like thinking it has to do with for Joy and Price not being in this lineup, but they're still at the games. They're still, you know, in the clubhouse. They're still there with everyone. And it, I don't know. I just, I think I mean this team has really good chemistry right now. And I mean it's I don't know. I think it's not. I don't really think it's a coincidence. I hate saying that, but I don't. I just don't think it is.
1: I, I lean more towards it being a coincidence because also that was the point when Devers came up and when Benintendi got a couple of days off and started going in his tear. And obviously they've been tearing it up together. And then Nunez got here a week later with the trade. So I don't think it's necessarily because of that. I'm not willing to throw Pedroya in that because of one incident. I'm not ready to rid my allegiance of him. I think you're much better off with him. Price, not so sold about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Price.
0: Price can go. Good. You might be no. better off
1: without him, yeah. So maybe Price, but in terms of Pedroia, I think that's a total coincidence. Just the players you got in his place and playing in the infield just happened to be incredible at that point. So I'm kind of going more coincidence, but it is a little bit interesting.
0: And there's no doubt that the way Pedroia plays this game, he gives everything every single game. And I love the way he plays. I've always loved the way he plays. He just He plays the game the right way. And I know you said the people who came up in a spot are just really exceeding expectations. So, I mean, if I don't like, I, said, I don't want to say it has anything to do with like them not playing. Price, yeah, maybe. But Pedroya, it's I, I love the way that guy plays the game. I just hate even thinking that he's out of the lineup for so x amount of games, and we've only lost four times. So I'm really on the fence. You know, like I said, the way Petroya plays the game, it, there's no denying to play playoff second baseman every single year. So, I don't know, Price. Yeah, whatever. Get rid of him. I don't care.
1: But we'll just be happy Georgia. that they went on this run when it happened, and that no matter what it happened, no matter what reason it happened for, we'll take it. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right.
1: Well, that's a good one. <laughs> i say really good at that. <laughs> um, we'll talk about the bullpen here. I mean. Joe Kelly and Matt Barnes have both been really, really bad for the last couple of weeks here, especially Barnes. He uh, can't seem to throw strikes. He can't seem to get three outs in an inning. Um, the talk is now that Carson Smith should be ready to join the roster uh, in early September, oh. which is soon. Like September 1st is coming up, so that's great news. Uh, do you see him like slotting in and pitching instead of having... Kelly and Barnes pitch so much? Because it seems like they basically pitch every game, especially Barnes, so like, can Farrell get off of his like, Matt Barnes love fest, where he needs to pitch him every game, and he never does well? Like, I, I mean, obviously, Smith joining changes things, but like, you can't pitch M- Matt Barnes so much right now, already can't get an out. It's,
0: I mean, I want to say, yes, absolutely, it's going to be Carson Smith who comes in and takes over that, but we got Addison Reed for the eighth inning, and we're putting out Barnes in there, and I'm I say every week, I, I'm a feral person. I'm not on this fire-feral train, and I never have been. I probably never will be, but you get these guys like Addison Reed who comes in for the eighth inning, and you don't use him. Matt Barnes is terrible on the road, absolutely terrible. His ERA is like 5,000. Every every game, he's still in there. And it's, like, it's that feeling where it's like, okay, there goes the game because here comes Matt Barnes, especially with a one-run lead. I almost feel like Don Farrell should take the clay buckles approach from last year or the year before, where he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll use buckles when we have a significant lead. Okay, use Barnes when you have a significant lead, because he's not good. And it makes me so mad, because Addison Reed's pitched well the last game or two. And I know Kelly hasn't pitched well, but you can't keep going to Barnes, because he's so unreliable. And if Carson Smith comes back and he's not going to get time, he's not going to get you know an eighth inning or a seventh inning, and he's still going to go to Barnes. I am not going to know what to do. I'm going to absolutely lose my mind about Farrell. And I'm on a short lease with him. He's on a short lease with me. And, you know, you and I have been one of, two of his biggest supporters all season, really, his whole tenure here. And it's just, it's getting harder and harder to trust Farrell when he keeps putting in Barnes. Like, why? Why are you putting in Barnes? That's all I want to know. I just want to give him a call and be like, he's (laughs) damn
1: Yeah, it's hard to defend his moves because it's like, it just seems like he throws a guy out there like, willy-nilly, he's like, yeah, I mean, you pitch today, yeah, you go out there, like, it doesn't matter what the situation in the game is, it doesn't matter what the score is, it's just like, he's like, All yeah, right. sure, go pitch, yeah, you too, you go pitch, oh, you're unavailable today, alright, cool, we'll pitch you tomorrow, it's just like, but then Barnes pitches like every game, it's like, is he ever unavailable, I just don't understand, it's it's hard to defend the order, I mean, he, they, he did well with it earlier in the year, they pitched well, like, it seemed to work pretty well, but then, it's like, the last, like, two or three weeks, it just seems like he forgot how to manage a bullpen, and it's showing. They're giving up runs. They haven't pitched well, and I still think it's a good bullpen overall. I do think that it's hard to rely on any of them besides Kimbrell at this point because they haven't given him as much reason in the last couple of weeks, but it's just like there's no planet, it seems like. It's just like whoever he sees at the moment it's like, oh, you, I, I saw you first. We'll throw you in. Oh, you, you won the card game last night. I'll throw you in this game. It's just like it seems like he just picks randomly. I don't understand. And I don't know where Carson Smith's going to fit into there, but, yeah, it's like you want a set thing, like general, like you're going to pitch here, you're going to pitch here, you got this inning, you got that inning, and it's at this point it's just pretty much like, hey, Barnes, you go here and pitch. And I, I've, I've defended Barnes a lot the last couple of years, and I think he is a good pitcher. But if you're that inconsistent home versus road and you can't throw strikes, I mean, the eighth inning's not, not a place to be walking the first two batters every game.
0: No. I mean, you said, you said everything. You took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth. It's just, it's, I don't know. I, I wish I could sit here and defend Farrell in putting Barnes in game after game, but I just can't, especially on the road. Especially on the road when you know he's not good. So, I don't know. Like you said, I don't understand why he's never unavailable either. You know, Addison, yeah. he's not available. He pitches two games in a row, and he just, he's not available. Matt, Matt Barnes pitches 62 games in a row. He's available for the 63rd game.
1: It doesn't. And for anybody who's been riding us constantly for being fans of Farrell, you're hearing it here. We're not defending him here. We're not saying that he's doing well with the bullpen because we're not sure what he's doing. So you can take that with you. We are you know we try to be realistic, and uh, we watch the games, and we see that they've blown several games, and he's not making good decisions. So I wouldn't want the job either. But, you know, he has it, so you got to do it, unfortunately. That's how it works. Uh, to better things, uh, before we get to MLB Headlines, uh, Jerry Remy got honored for 30 years in the Nesson booth, um, on Sunday, and they had a ceremony, they brought him out, he, uh, got a lot of presents, he got a glass vase, he got a huge autographed glove, uh, he got a TV, he got, um, even a couple other things, they gave him a lot of, a lot of stuff. What's that? Two
0: seats from Fenway. That's They gave
1: of- him the a red and blue one. Yes, the seats, good old seats. Um... So a lot of stuff for him. He made a little speech. Said he'll be back for next season. He hopes uh, he starts chemotherapy uh, on Tuesday here tomorrow. If you're listening on Monday, um, actually it's already past midnight, so you're listening on Tuesday. So today, um, so yeah, I mean it was a great ceremony. Yeah, clearly the fans love him and want him back. Um, I know I go back and forth on him as like as an announcer and like you know we've heard him for so long that it's like you've pretty much heard what you can hear, but. Just to know how much he loves broadcasting and how, like, it's what he looks forward to and stuff. It's, it's hard to not root for the guy to come back next year.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I know he hasn't undergone the chemo yet, but he looked great. He, you know, was smiling and his speech was perfect. And I, I posted about this on my Instagram, but he, he thanked the camera crew and the production crew. And what, like, what really said that, like, you, you never hear the, the camera people or the production crew getting thanked. And, you know, I, I've worked on, you've worked on site with me before, I eh? It's long, it's long days, we're there, you know, 7 a.m., 7 to 8 a.m. for an 8 o'clock start, and we're there till 2, 3 in the morning, and it's so much that goes on behind the scenes, and just for, to have him recognize that was really cool, because, you know, the this they have to get there pretty early, too, but they get to go home as soon as their hits are done, and, you know, we'll, we'll record their hits and do their live shots, whatever, for the game, and then there's still two or three more hours worth of work to be done, and they're already home in bed, so... It was just cool to kind of get, like, recognized, for him to recognize the people who do so much work behind the scenes for somebody who is in front of the camera, you know, 24-7. So it was definitely great to see him out there, smiling, happy. His shout out to Don solo Definitely wanted to make him cry a little bit inside. Um, it was just, it was perfect, cer- perfect ceremony. It wasn't overdone or anything. It was, it was perfect.
1: Thank God Jared's not here to talk about ceremonies. We know how, how okay. much I he loves those. Yeah. No, I thought it was great, too. It was good. I think when he was when he was in the booth with Dave on the first couple innings, I've, his voice sounded a little bit weak. I don't know if you agree, but he sounded he you know he cleared his throat a couple of times. He didn't sound fantastic, um, which is a little concerning. But maybe it's just the remaining things that are in there that the chemo will get rid of. So hopefully, he can get better with that. But man, if you're going to be determined to do it, he's been dealing with this for a long time, and he wants to come back next year. So we'll just when hope. the Red
0: Sox raise the banner. When the Red Sox <laughs> raise the
1: banner, yeah. Bold statement, Lauren Campbell special. So that was. It sure is. <laughs> so that was great to see. Great to have him come back. He was looking forward to it, and now he can uh, go battle the cancer and hopefully come back soon. So good luck to you, Jerry. Um, let's move on to some headlines. Uh, our biggest headline as a role is the role this Chapman uh, is now out as the Yankees closer. Uh, you're not going to find two people who dislike Chapman more than uh, the two of us because he's, he's a dirtbag, as we've talked about plenty on this show. Um, And really, I mean, what I've said over and over again is I don't think I've seen this guy pitch well in like two years. Like, he used to be great when nobody cared when he was on the Reds. But the last couple of years, I mean, he blew several games to the Cubs last year. He's basically blown every game he's pitched against the Red Sox in the last two years. Uh, And I guess finally Joe Girardi decided, you're right, Jess, he isn't good. I'm not going to have him be my closer anymore. So I I hate it because I want him to stay in there and blow games. But, geez, for the Yankees' sake... What took so long?
0: I know. He's terrible. And I think I said it last week when I was at the Red Sox Yankee Series. He blew the game and then. Friday night, he, he blew the game. And it's just like, how many games does this guy have to blow for you to know, pull him? And I get, you know, he's your closure. He's your multi-million dollar closer. You want to think, like, oh, maybe it's just like a few kinks he needs to work on. Maybe it's just whatever. But, you know, it, it's funny. You know, so many people just crap all over him for for, you know, being just a dirt bag outside of the field or all these legal issues or whatever, but it was great so I had a friend at the game Friday night, and he said there was a huge Chapman fan, a huge Jenkins fan, in, in his section. And he was like, oh, it's, I, it's like I've been talking to them all night about Chapman. Like, imagine being able to throw 100 miles an hour, and you can't find the strike zone. And it's like, when you do find the strike zone... You're throwing 100, 103 miles an hour, and you're getting destroyed by children. Like 20, 20 year old, <laughs> old Matthew Devers, 23 year old Andrew Benintendi. It, this veteran closer, supposed to be one of the, you, know, all the cops can throw 103 miles an hour. His arm has to be tired. I get it. But you're supposed to be one of the best closers in the league. And you're getting your career handed to you by. You get, oh, no, you probably could be Devers' dad. But you're getting destroyed. <laughs> but the last like well as they were teenagers and now you're getting lit up by them and it makes me so happy because you know how i feel personally about chapman he's just he's a piece of garbage and if he was you know a really good pitcher and he, you know he has been before but if he came out there and he could prove he was the closer that he's supposed to be i'd be like okay i can like he's a good pitcher whatever but he's it just makes it all the better for me so i'm like oh okay so you're a scumbag outside outside the diamond you can't pitch and you can throw 103 miles an hour but you cannot locate the plate and you're getting your ass handed to you by a 23 year old and a 20 year old i love it it makes me it makes me really really happy you
1: gotta love uh relishing in someone else's pain right <laughs> nope.
0: After, i mean he's, he's a millionaire too mm-hmm. so i don't even feel bad not even a little bit
1: Right, he's only twenty nine years old. Believe it or not, he looks like he's about forty. But yeah,
0: he looks like he's thirty six.
1: I know. I thought he was way older than that. I just checked, wow. but he's only twenty nine. So wow. So okay. Uh, I, wow. I guess. I guess when you throw that hard, you age quickly.
0: <laughs> I, I guess so. Wow.
1: Oof. He's got the arm of a thirty eight year old. Yeah. So he's
0: the same age as Joe Kelly.
1: Right. It's crazy. And Joe
0: looks
1: like he's twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> so throwing throwing one hundred and three uh, ages you and having all your domestic violence problems. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, but you, know, you can't be that wild as a closer. It doesn't You can only really get the job done. And now they have Batanzas and he's kind of wild too, but uh, he doesn't throw 103, and he's not a basket case. So we'll see if it works out for them. I hope it doesn't. I hope neither of them work out. Uh, so, we're Red Sox fans, so why wouldn't we say that? Uh, one of the strange MLB headlines before we move on to predictions is, um, an odd thing. Uh, Ian Kinsler got fined um, because he told Angel Hernandez, the umpire, that he should like get a different job, <laughs> and it hurt his feelings. And then the umpires, as like association or whatever it is, they came out with this thing uh, to have wristbands or armbands, I guess what they really were, uh, to like protect against umpire violence and because of that situation. So. I don't know. Do you feel like it's reactionary to have this one? I mean, obviously people are on umpires all the time, but to then have this happen and then be like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna protect ourselves against violence." It's like you think they'd be used to the abuse by now. That's terrible, but I mean, why why this why this incident?
0: I I wish I knew, and I think violence is like the absolute wrong word for them to be using, especially everything that else is going on in this country right now. But it's I mean, oh. Yeah said was find a different career path or whatever he said it's he didn't you know personally attack him he didn't call him names he didn't you know there was nothing there that would like fuel like like oh, that violent and you know umpires have been if who was the umpire who blew uh the perfect game oh my god i think it was the Tiger jim jim like, joyce yep jim joyce you know it's, you know he came out he was like yeah my bad i screwed up the call and you know I'm sure there were a lot of angry, of course there were a lot of angry, angry fans over that. But, I mean, get the calls right. You're getting paid, like, starting $90,000 a year to stand behind home plate. Get your calls right. Especially with, you know, plays at first and, you know, they have the instant replay now. But, I mean, there's been some awful calls, god-awful calls. And I know you, you sit here and you can't, can't be like, oh, you can't blame the umpire for every game or when, the umpires, like, maybe seem they're going against one team more than the other. They've been so inconsistent this year. And if you're going to wear armbands to, like, protest violence, get your calls right. You won't be getting managers in your face. You won't be getting people swearing at you. And it's, you know, it comes with it. You're going to piss people off in, the, in that field. No pun intended there, but <laughs> it's just, like, violence. And I don't understand what the armbands are doing. Like, cool, like, you guys are standing up for yourselves or whatever. That's great. But it's not, I don't see it doing anything. Like, the players are going to come out and be like, huh,
1: like what's a risk game going to do? I, I just don't get it. Yeah. I, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I'm not sure I understand it either. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Um, On to the predictions. See if Lauren can get three straight weeks. That would be pretty impressive.
0: Third time's a charm. Yeah.
1: Well, no, first two times were a charm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so man, we'll, I do know. They're going
0: to need a lot of wins with my prediction already.
1: Yeah, no no kidding. Um, four versus the Indians on the road, and then three at home versus the Orioles. Uh, obviously, two hot teams coming into the series. Sox have won 14 of 17. The Indians have won 8 of 10. So two very hot teams coming in. And obviously, the first game was a one-run game and a walk-off. So should be a great series. Um, we did get Jared's predictions, even though he's not here uh, he said win three of four from Cleveland and win two of three from the Orioles, so that's what he does. Um, obviously, the first game in the books now, but these predictions are made beforehand, so what do you have for the Indian series?
0: I am right there with Jared. I think they're going to win three out of four. I know tonight didn't start off too well. I mean, this game could have gone either way tonight. Um, I know we'll talk we talked about it a little bit tonight. We'll talk more about it next week when we get into my third straight week of correct predictions, but... I just think the Red Sox are just meshing so well right now. And I know the Indians, even the Orioles, are very good. They're, you know, the Indians with the AL, they'll this the slasher in the ALDS. So I get it. They're both very good teams. They're both teams that we need to win against. And I said this last week, we need to win against the Yankees, and we need to collect these wins, especially going into September. And it's just, they're meshing well. The pitching's working, the offense is working. And I just think that, they're going to really spring together some really important wins, and now we're getting to that part of the season where every week we're saying this is an important week, this is an important week, this is an extremely important important week, especially against two uh, American League divisions or American League uh, opponents.
1: No doubt, I have a split with Cleveland, uh, two and two. Feeling pretty good about that after this this one tonight. Um, I just feel like two really good teams, very similar records, two of the three best teams in the American League. Um, I think you take a split on the road. I don't think that's terrible. Uh, the road's a hard place to win. The Sox are 31-31 on the road. So I think a sweep is fair there. A uh, sweep, a split, excuse me. Um, <laughs> yes, <so>. a
0: sweep. <laughs> not a sweep.
1: That's not even possible anymore. So, so yeah, I've got 2-2 two and two in that series. And then I have uh, a sweep of the Orioles. Uh, they're playing slightly better. I mean, they're playing better than the, than the Rays at this point. They've overtaken them in the standings by half a game. 61 and 64, but they're not a good team. Uh, they haven't been for a while. They're even worse on the road. If you are playing them on the road, that would be different because they're a good home team, but they're an awful road team, 15 under 500. So I have a sweep of the Orioles because I think after splitting with Cleveland in a tough four-game series, you come home and you just unload on the Orioles. So five and two weeks sweep the Orioles. What do you got? I
0: have a six and one week because so I feel like they're going to sweep the Orioles. Like I said, they're just terrible, terrible road team. And I'm feeling good about the Red Sox being home after being on the road against Cleveland. I'm just feeling good about them coming home and just absolutely destroying the Orioles. They, I mean, they play a lot. They play each other a lot every season. But I can just, I just have a really good feeling about this. And like I said, these are important series, and they're going to string together these important wins. And I just see a nice six-in-one week to so kind of close out, almost close out August.
1: Yeah, well, you're going to have to get six straight wins now if you want that to be right. So. Oh, your streak is on the line. But, yeah, the Orioles, I mean, they're not in the playoff chase. Just pound them into the ground and get your wins. That's what we're hoping for. Sure is. All right, that will do it here uh, on Red Sox Beat this week. Once again, Twitter, Red Sox underscore Beat, um, at CLNS Media on Twitter. Follow us. Follow um, us. You can follow me at clns underscore Jess singing. You can follow Lauren at lala. la la la. Lor en. Three
0: laws, four hours.
1: I said it right. It just sounded weird. Did. But. Did.
0: I'm a fun follow. I'm a very good. I'm a fun follow. Yes,
1: follow her. She has a lot more followers than me. So if you want to be nice to me, follow me. I'll take it. So that's that. Red Sox beat. Make sure you get that Seat Geek. $20 off Garden Report get your $20 off your next purchase concert or sports game pick sports sports are the best concerts are great though I saw John Mayer last night and boy he's good my god Mom, was, John, Mayer. Mom, uh, John Mayer. so good so if you want to see John Mayer $20 off It already happened find another concert uh, if you want to go to a sporting event do that so that'll do it for us here uh, Jared will be back next week hope you're feeling better Jared I'm telling you to for the weather um for Lauren Campbell, Jess Thomas, Jess Lockbeat here at the FLNS Media, have a good night.